Well, who you think you are today is not who you're going to be six years from now, 12 years from now, 18 years from now, right? Let's say, inshallah, we live till 80, 85, yeah. right? God willing. Inshallah. Uh, you're going to be away. You're going to be eight different. You've changed 10 times by that. And you should. We have a long life. We have to evolve, right? Yo, welcome to another episode of Yellow Let's Talk podcast slash video. So today we got with us an incredible talent. He's a Sudanese-born Canadian comedian, podcast host, content creator, engineer by day, comedian by night. Give it up to Mr. Abbas. Woo! Yeah, woo! <laughs> <laughs> we need like uh, some yeah, sound effects. Some fake studio audience. Yeah. Yo, thanks for having me, man. In the studio run by some Arab boys, the Shabab in the background. Yeah, boy. Eight cameras. This is beautiful. I beautiful sight, man. I'm happy to be here. We don't joke around, man. No, clearly. We're, dude. <laughs> we're so happy to, to have you. Yeah, man. So I want us to dive right into this. Yo, you were born in Sudan. Mm -hmm. You grew up in Canada. Uh-huh. How was it like growing up as a Sudanese Canadian, my man? It's interesting, you know, because you I came in when I was six to Canada. And uh, I think a lot of immigrants, when they come, as kids especially, you don't really want to stick out. So you don't embrace where you're from because that's different. Like on the playground, it's not cool to be African. It's not cool to be different. You're just trying to be like... Like whenever I'd had to talk to my mom growing up or speak Arabic, I would get away from the other kids. I didn't want them to hear me speak Arabic. Because I was like, oh, then they're going to know I'm different and then life is going to be harder. This is just the mind of a child, right? So it was years of that. And there wasn't, I didn't, I, my family came here alone. So it's like there's a Sudanian community in London, Ontario, where I grew up. So we touched basically any immigrant, any fob that comes, they're like, where's our kind? St. Thomas? Okay, we're going St. Thomas, right? Like Calgary? Okay, we're going Calgary. That's yeah. how it is, you know? So we went to London, but we didn't come with any cousins. We have zero uncles here. Zero aunts. You know, we call everyone Ammu and everything like that. But no actual like relatives. Blood None relatives. are here. Uh, so we kind of like, we're very satellite. Whereas a lot of my Palestinian Lebanese friends, their cousins are here. Their aunts are here. Their uncles are here. They have big things like get together. So we were kind of like an island, which was weird. Uh, so I didn't really embrace being Sudani that much. It was I came and I just was like, oh, I'm black now. Okay. You know what I mean? So now... I'm not even thinking about Sudani. I'm trying to be like Tupac. You know what I mean? Because I'm not, you're not <laughs> yeah. Sudani, you're black. When you come to Canada, you're not Sudani, you're black, right? I am not who I think I am. It's I am who I think you think I am kind of thing. So like the way that people kind of see you is kind of how you define yourself. So when you came to Canada, did you find yourself like people saw you as black more than they saw you as Arab? And how does that impact 100%. how you see yourself? Off the top, upon arrival, from six to... 18 black i'm black i'm like looking at tupac i'm like okay i'm black i gotta like figure out my identity within being a black guy you know what i mean beatbox break dance this that you know what i mean like not even actively trying to get good at these things just thinking like oh this is the marker for me you know yeah, what i mean yeah. and then uh i did engineering school and it, and when i went to engineering school there's now, I grew up in London, Ontario, mostly white people. So that's why I was like, okay, I'm black. But then when I went to engineering school, it's mostly like immigrants and fobs and like mostly ethnic people. So suddenly now I go back to kind of like being Sudani. Now I go back to being African, right? 
because the guy next to me is from Tanzania, international student. This guy's from Pakistan, international student. This, all, all these guys are Chinese. These guys are Korean. So suddenly I don't, I'm not saying I'm black. Suddenly I'm Sudani now. Now I'm back to Sudani, right? Now I'm running into Sudanis on campus and it's interesting. And it was only after I graduated, did engineering for years. You said I do engineering by day. I don't even do engineering. I haven't done engineering in like five or six years. You know, I, I did it for three years and then left. But when I started comedy is really when I started to be like, okay, I'm Sudani. What does that mean? Let me talk about going back to Sudan, growing up like in London, but going back for the summers. Like I'm growing up in government housing, but when I go to Sudan, I'm like Prince. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? I love it, man. They go, oh, it. what Canada, bro? What Canada? <laughs> what Canada? You know what I mean? Like speak English, Canada boy, right? Like I'm the prince, but I'm in government <laughs> housing in London, Ontario. Like I'm poor in London, right? So that dynamic is very strange. How does that even like come? Like how do you then reconcile that? Because then they see you in like as royalty, but then you see yourself or not. How do you? It's see very confusing as a kid. It's very confusing. Uh, you can't even explain to them what your life is because they like they're in the villages of Sudan and you're just a novelty to them, yeah. right? You're like, oh, okay, English this like you can't even be like, yo, like I'm in a shitty neighborhood that I'm embarrassed to even go into. Like, like my neighborhood, nobody tricks or treats. Like my neighborhood is the neighborhood everyone skips in Halloween. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? They're like, those refugees aren't going to give out Kit Kats. I love it. Bro, my yeah. neighborhood, everyone turns the light off during Halloween. <laughs> that's, you know? that's so funny. It's like a power outage. <laughs> and how do you feel like uh, just kind of like having that lived experience and then coming to engineering? Like how has that shaped who you think you are? Well, engineering was... Engineering is one of those things where it's like it made me who I am today, but it was never me. You know, it's very cliche for Arab parents to push you into engineering medicine. So even when I was a kid, they would answer for me and they kind of sold me on that dream. So even if you asked me what I was going to be when I was 10 years old, I'd be like mechanical engineer. Mechanical Yo, engineer. Baba and mama just ingrained that. Right exactly. Beginning. I get yeah. it. Like uh, other Sudani or other Arabs would come. Oh, shoot that. What are you going to be when you grow up? And then my dad or mom, Mohandis, like, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> they answer for you, right? Engineer, right? So I got sold on that, did it. It was, I didn't even vibe with it in school, but I was like, oh, no one likes, you're not supposed to like school. I was of that mindset, like, no one likes school. You're going to like it after. You like it when you get yeah. paid, you know? Yeah. And then I got paid and I got a place and I got a car and then... The novelty wears off and then you can't, you have to reconcile the fact that you hate what you do. And then some people just stay in it because they get a mortgage, they get this, they get so locked into, they get so the cornered. handcuffs. Cornered. Yeah. So it's so difficult to get out of that. Thank God I was able to um, just, I managed to get out yo, of it. Yo, tell us a little more about that. Like one, when did you realize like, yo, engineering is not really for me and I want, I have other ambitions. And then two, what made you become a comedian and go down that route? Okay, so two years into engineering, I'm living in Madison Heights, Michigan, Detroit area, the automotive industry. I'm a program manager. At this point, I had a nice BMW lease. I had my own place for two years, and all of that didn't matter anymore. I, for that first year, I was, yeah, look, 435, two-door, six-speed. Yo, I did it, <laughs> I did it. My own place, I did it. And then, like... 
the reality is every day you're waking up and you have this feeling when you wake up like, fuck. Like you're not doing something you want to do. And if you have a sick car to drive to work with, then it helps a little bit. Oh, but after a year and a half, after two years, that car means nothing. It's In fact, the car is a lease. So you're paying a G a month for the car. You're over on your miles, so you can't drive it anywhere. You're broke because you got the lease. So you're, you're screwed. You can't go anywhere. You can't spend money. And you hate what you do. <laughs> so you're like, what the, what the hell did I do to myself here? So it was about two years in that I realized I fucked myself. You know, yeah. I don't know where this airs or whatever the hell. But I screwed hey, myself. Whatever. That'll yeah. I'll let you edit that in. <laughs> but uh, I screwed myself. And uh, yeah, man, I just started reading. I didn't really know what to do. And I just started reading and like career books and this and that. And I just realized that like the one book I read was like, if you're not passionate about what you do, at one point you will hit a wall where you cannot compete. Damn, what kind of, what book was that? Just the book like, was called No Rules, No Excuses by damn. a famous Waterloo professor named uh, Larry David or Larry Smith. No Rules, No Excuses. And it was the first time I read a non-fiction, non-fiction self-help book. Because I was like, I thought I was over that before, but I just felt so messed up that I read it. And at that point, I've been watching stand up my whole life. Every, like, because yeah. my parents are like, they see kissing an Arthur. I'm watching Arthur, and Arthur's mom kisses his dad before she leaves. And my mom's like, this no, huh? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, cartoon parents kissing. My mom's like, what is this? What are you, porn? What are you watching, right? <laughs> so I could. To get, them, yeah, it is. <laughs> I could get away with stand up all day. Because it's just a guy with a microphone. And my mom's English wasn't so good at the time. So growing up, a guy or a girl with a microphone, oh, whatever, let him watch this. What is this? So it doesn't matter, right? There's no kissing. There's no sex. There's no violence. Nothing. It's just the guy with the microphone. Damn. So your parents basically cultivated you to become that comedian you are. Oh, well, kind of. You know, I have five <laughs> siblings. So it's like middle child, right? It's a story told a thousand times. You know what I mean? My dad's driving cabs six days a week. I don't see him much. He's driving crazy hours. Uh, I just have to do well in school, have to pray five times a day. So outside of the house, I'm just like, they call me Chappelle. Because I would just I redo all the Chappelle show skits at recess. You I know? love that. I love like how your childhood kind of came into reflecting what you wanted to do afterwards. And yo, what I really liked about what you just said right now is that you, after like a year and a half, two years, you're like, yo, this is not for me. And you just felt like this, this kind of like initiative, you wanted to change the trajectory of your life. And I find it very fascinating that after reading a book, you went to stand-up comedy as kind of like the, kind of like that transition. Well, this is how lost I was. You ever read a nonfiction book where they go, take out a piece of paper and answer these questions. I actually yeah. did that shit, bro. Did you know actually, what I mean? You know, you always skip past that. You're like, I'll do it in my head, right? Yeah. I was so lost. I took the paper out, bro. Yeah. I wrote. They're like, what do you love? What do you do every day? I was like, I wrote it out. Because our minds, especially as immigrants, I, the wires were not connected in my head to even think I could do an art, to even think I could make a career out of entertainment. It wasn't, I couldn't even think that. But it was when I wrote on this paper, it's like, what do you love to do? I was like, okay, I like watching stand-up. I love traveling. What's like, what do you want to do? I want to take care of my family type of thing. So then once I stepped back from this page, stand-up was the first, because I watched stand-up every day for like 15 years on YouTube. Every day, I'm watching stand-up at work. I'm watching stand-up. I'm that guy. But I just, I just liked stand-up. I can't be a stand-up. Those are born people, special people. That's not, I'm an engineer. You know what I mean? Like, this is my thinking. But looking at that paper in that moment made me realize, huh, why can't I do that? How do you do that? Googled it. 
open mics. Huh. And that was the first seed to what is now reality. I love that, man. I love the fact you ask yourself, like, why not? Because it is. Like, we always see people kind of like after years of cultivating the skill and then, you know, everyone starts and you've been doing an incredible job and you even have a comedy special called Safe Black. Safe Black. Yo, how did you come up with that name? Because when you get into comedy, they tell you, you got to be an actor too and you got to have a podcast. This is the wisdom when you get in the game. So, so I got my podcast, The Immigrant Section, and I got into acting and I started killing it in acting, mostly in commercials, booking a lot. Mm. Because I come to find out, I'm, I have that face corporations love to use for commercials. What right? is that face? <laughs> Safe black, you know? That's when they get a bearded black guy, have him smile for no reason. You know what I mean? Uh, right? Uh, cushion? Uh, black guy? Uh. You know what I mean? Like, all state guy, whatever, right? They love to put, it's all white people behind the camera putting a black and an Asian in front of the camera. Like, yeah. You know, like, you know uh, what I mean? Like a check. Exactly, right? So that's the na- that's the idea of safe black. Like uh, just talking about how fake it is in the industry for like commercial use, how they use diversity is like this hollow thing. But uh, that's why I came up with the name pretty much. That's really cool. And ha- have you found that things changed since you started versus now? Uh, started what? And like in the industry, do you feel like things have become a little more progressive? Have they yeah. decolonized Hollywood a little bit or... Is it still kind of the same? same well, I've shit? only I've only been acting now five years. Okay. So I'm booking. I'm actually booking TV, movie stuff now. I used to just be commercials because I was like I wasn't a good actor. Right? I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, it's still pretty much the exact same thing. Where it's like, what's funny though is that like, the wind changes culturally. Yeah. So when Stop Asian Hate happened, I stopped booking because they're like, we need to get Asians. Put Asians on the camera so then people will know we don't hate Asians because it's stop Asian hate. When Black Lives Matter happened, bras booking like a motherfucker. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like whatever, ha- whatever the way the wind changes is who they put in front of the camera because the corporations just follow the cultural wind. You know, they're like a sailboat with sails, right? They're like this way. Okay, we'll go this way, right? That's a very interesting perspective because like a lot of times, you know, as an actor, like you're trying to. Uh, put your the best audition but at the same time there's also like a market right and there's these social issues that may take into a effect and then a corporation will be like yo let's put somebody else exactly they they have an idea of who they want in yeah. mind first they'll be like this you'll get a, a casting call they'll be like do an audition for jerome we'll take we'll take uh, all ethnicities but it's like they're clearly looking for a black guy right jerome right you know what i mean or we're looking for andy lee all ethnicities taken, it's like, you're looking for an Asian. Just say it, right? But they all always say, submit all ethnicities. But it's like, you can tell by can. the character name. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if they can even just say, like, here's... And here's- every now and then you get one where they go, black male. And you're like, okay, here we go. I can book <laughs> this one, right? Because a lot of the times it'll be yeah. like, Larry, the, the, the weird neighbor who's like fat. It's like, why mm-hmm. am I auditioning for this? I'm not... Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And if what I... What I'm trying, like, what I'm finding interesting as well is, like, all these different things that are happening takes a toll also on how you also perceive yourself, I would assume, right? Of course. Like, then, how do you then understand, like, yo, who is Abbas? Like, I know this sounds, like, a little deep, but, like, how do you define yourself? You know, I can't really define, I can't give you a definition of myself, but that's what I'm figuring out and say, that's the beauty of stand-up comedy. I'm pulling that onion away every day. Stand up is a beautiful thing where you really try to get to the core of yourself to find out your voice. 
Because once you have your voice, that's like the vehicle for stand-up comedians. So give me any topic. I have my voice. So I can enter that topic in a funny way because I know my voice. You know what I mean? Bill Burr is the angry guy. Chappelle Bro. is the introspective guy. This is brilliant. How did you find that voice? I, I think that's... I'm still working on it. You're you know, still, I'm only okay. six, seven years in the game, but they say it takes 10 to 15 years to really find your voice, you know? So I'm still kind of piecing away at yeah. exactly who I am. You know what I mean? I'm 30 years old right now, and I don't know that people know exactly who they are at 30, you know? Okay, you slowly figure that stuff out as you get older. I love that. I love the fact that it's more about... It's always going to be progress, right? You're no way... No one is ever going to just be fully sure but you just got to do it got to put yourself out there and you figure it out as you go kind of thing well who you think you are today is not who you're going to be six years from now 12 years from now 18 years from now right let's say inshallah we live till 80 85 yeah right god willing inshallah. uh you're gonna be away you're gonna be eight different you've changed 10 times by then and you should we have a long life we have to evolve right Absolutely. And so, different lived experiences. Exactly. Right. Right. So right now you might be this and then some tragedy might happen or some beauty may happen. All this thing deviates you in this path of life here. You're like, I know who I am. Then this happens. You're like, okay, no, this is who I am. Shift, 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 shift. It's always yeah. flowing. So from all your experiences right now, like trying to figure out who you are, understanding what you want to do, like what's one takeaway that, you know, you can tell like anyone who's watching or listening to this right now. That you don't, if you don't love what you do, it's a long life. Take a step in the direction of what you actually like to do. So many people I'm around, so many people come up to me, even when I was like, I started when I was like tw uh, tw 2016. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for years, be like, man, I'm like, people my age, like, yeah. man, props to you, man. The fact that you did that, man, that's amazing, man. I wish I could. Why can't you? You're 27. You're telling me you've written it off? You're going to work yeah. another 30 years in the industry of something you don't care about? Even though it may take five, it may just take five years to do like a career switch, four years to get trained, get a new skill, whatever it is. But people write them are so locked into their lives at such young ages. It doesn't, man, I wish I could be. Why can't you? Absolutely. You absolutely, absolutely. can. Man, I, I love cars, but I would stop that. That's a good mindset to have. And I do think like, like you're right like living your life doing something you don't like is just it's sad in my opinion but at the same time like i'm just reflecting as well on myself like i went to law school i became a lawyer and then when i after articling i was in a position where i'm like yo is that where you get the bar like, like yeah yeah articling you write second apprenticeship you're like okay now i'm a fully licensed lawyer and i was like thinking about it i'm like yo fuck i'm miserable <laughs> i was like this is not something i wanted to do and i actually completely quit the law there you go. Look but at then, this, man. Why are you six, asking me like you're all surprised bro, that you got no, the same no, no, I story, bro? I get it. I get it. Mashallah, nah, man. You did bro, it, bro. Bro, you know, <laughs> you we quit. Thing, but I went back. Oh, yeah? However, okay, but still. six months after. Yeah. But here's the thing. You realize that out there, it's scary out there, bro. You're in the ocean. You're looking for a buoy or something. You, you swam like, right back to that Man needs to make boat. money, right? We still yeah. got to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But what was different about it is that I realized it wasn't the fact that I hated being a lawyer. As I didn't really like working for a law firm and started my own thing and started doing like other stuff like this. So it's not just that necessarily like a zero sum gain where like you got to just completely switch for everybody. Like sometimes you do and sometimes you find things that are your, that you're more interested in. And I feel like that's kind of like what happened to you where you found something you're very passionate about and you're very good at it as well. And you have that curiosity to keep learning and growing. And yeah. For the record, I'll say 
over the last three, four years, I have Googled part-time engineering job a thousand times, bro. It's not a thing. No one's looking for a part-time engineer. I did program management for three years. This is where you like project management essentially is what it is. And people don't want a project manager that's like 10, 15 hours a week. You got to be deeply involved in the effort, right? So it's difficult to, you know, in my times of financial need, I'm like, yo, I, cause I have those skills. I was good at my job. People loved working with me. You know what I mean? But I hated it. I, I, but now that I have full, I've set everything up fully that I'm acting in TV, acting in commercials, getting on stage almost every night, making content online. If I have the time to do a part-time gig that gives me more financial freedom, I'd be down because I'm not going to be depressed because I have all these outlets. Before I had nothing. I had a full-time thing that I didn't like and I wasn't honest with myself. Whereas now you're honest with yourself like, oh, I don't like any of that stuff. I, I can do, I'm fully independent. I can do what I want. But hey, you know what? This lawyer stuff is actually a great channel for me in the meantime too. I'm good at it. I built a skill. Why not use it? I love that, man. And I think, uh, like, I thank you very much for all your time, homie. Like, this is a good conversation, you know, sweet and right to the point. And uh, I really hope we can continue this conversation. And I think everyone who's listening is going to probably quit their job and start something else. Hopefully. More Dude, I, I'm about to go on <laughs> CBC, The Debaters. I don't know if you know, it's a CBC show. It's called The Debaters. Yeah. It's been going on for like decades. Uh, next week, it's like CBC uh, National Radio. And my debate is quit your day job. Like I'm for quit your day job. I'm writing the debate Fuck right yeah, now. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. tall comedy, but that I'm for it. The other person's against it. So Damn, that would be that interesting. Out. Yeah. Yeah, but but you are you genuinely for like everyone quitting their day job? No, 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 no. If a day job, if you're doing a full time thing you don't care about just for the money, you're wasting this life. You're really wasting facts, this life. Facts, you're wasting this life. If you chase only money, which I did for a long time, yeah. you're like a freaking mouse in a maze just looking for the cheese. You know what I mean? You really got to do something you love. And then in the meantime, be like, this isn't giving me that much. Let me do a side hustle to get some money or yeah. whatever the hell it is. But if you're not doing what you, if you don't love what you do, man, you're just wasting this life. You're wasting this life. Gotta love what you do. You gotta love And you do you love what you do. Last question. I love it. I love I love being here and know that this is, tomorrow brings something different. Every day brings something different, and that's the best part. My man, I really appreciate hearing that. Yeah. And thank you. I think Thank you for having me. Sorry I had to rush it and get out of here, no, but no, thank you for good. having me, man. Appreciate you. Honestly, bro. I love the setup. Love the whole platform. And uh, I'd love to come back when you'll have me.